Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. Last week, I talked with Brandon Bassett, the NYPD goalie from the FDNY-NYPD rivalry game from this last spring. This week, I talked with Nick Battaglia, the FDNY goalie from that same game, to get his side of the story. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Nick. So, Nick, th- thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's uh, good to have uh, the the other half of the uh, latest NYPD FDNY rivalry series uh, game on the on the podcast. Absolutely, it's uh, it's cool to be here. Yeah. So uh, listening... you know, before oh, go on. I was I was listening to your podcast uh, with Bassett, and uh, really interesting to hear what he had to say as well. Yeah, you know, it, it was fun uh, with the, the game in September. I was able to get Mike and uh, Kurt on to, to get, you know, both sides of, of the game. It, it was kind of neat. And then uh, when I saw both of them stepped uh, away from the teams and we had uh, fresh blood between the pipes, I was like, well, geez, I got to get these two guys on too now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Easy content. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's always good to get, uh, you know, first responders on. You know, I, I think most people have respect for the jobs, you know, both you and um, Brandon do. But uh, it's always fun to to get you guys on and hear your side of the story, too. Yeah, absolutely. That game was uh, unlike any other game I've ever played. So, yeah. Now, now, before we get into that game, you know, how did you get started in firefighting? Is it, you know, the, the old family uh, job or, you know, was it uh, an opportunity? How did you get going in it? Actually, um a weird thing my dad was a uh, was pd oh okay and he told me he's like you're taking he signed me up 
you said you're taking the foreign department test and you're not taking the cop test. <laughs> he, he wanted me to uh, become a fireman and uh, not a cop. So. Why didn't he want you to become a cop? I think he just, you know, was thinking that in this day and age um, with the phones and everything that, you know, you're under a lot more mm-hmm. scrutiny as a as a cop than you are as a, as a fireman. And I think he knew that uh, it would be the uh, better fit for me, which it, it's a great fit for me. I love it. I love the job. Yeah. Well, and as we all know, cop, cops always uh, wish they were firemen anyway, right? Some, <laughs> some won't say that, but I think so. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's that, that fun rivalry for Hold on, I can't really hear you right now. I got the camera perfect. I uh, can't hear what you're saying. Can't hear you. <laughs> Can you hear me? All right, there we go. My microphone went a little wonky there. I had to plug it back in. It was being a little goofy. Uh, I was saying I saw a meme not too long ago. It was a cop pulled over on the side of the road. The firemen were changing his tire, and it said, even cops need heroes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always a, a fun back and forth with them. Absolutely. Especially yeah. uh, out there. Yeah. And so, you know. Picture of the, you know. So your, your dad... Your dad uh, kind of pushes you to become a fireman. And, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, going back and forth in text, you know, my, my dad spent 30, over 30 years on the job, if you include the uh, volunteer stuff before he got on Chicago. So uh, I, I know it's a good job and I, I know it's a uh, fun job at the same time. I, I just, uh, I took St. Paul, Minnesota's test, uh, but they, they only take 30 a year and uh, I didn't live in the city. I didn't have veteran experience, and I'm not a minority, so I didn't have a shot there. Uh, and Chicago's <laughs> Chicago's only given two tests when I was, old, you know, within the age range, and it, it wasn't conducive with what we had going on. So it just never happened for me. But uh, have you thought about uh, the job and kind of gone, what the heck did I get myself into? Or, or are you like most firemen going, I don't work a day because I love what I do? I think it's definitely the second one because I love going to work and I love hanging out with the the guys and, you know, whatever call it is, we know we got each other's backs. And also I get to be on, you know, one of the most fun hockey teams I've been on in my life. So, <laughs> so are you on an engine company or a truck? Uh, I'm in a truck. Okay. In a truck. All right. I, I would never been able to be on a truck company because of my fear of heights and ladders. I, I would have had to been an engine guy. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. They all, um, they're, they're all the same. Everyone knows how to do everything. So, you know, tomorrow yep. I can go to work and they could say you're in the engine. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so how, how did you get started playing in, you know, the game of hockey? And I got an extremely late start. Like I always liked hockey. I still think to this day, I've played more years of baseball than I have of, of hockey. I think, um, I started playing ice hockey when I was 12 but I went right into playing goal because when I was a kid, I, I have an older brother. When I was a kid, and they ever they played hockey on the street, it was you know, he's five years older than me. He said, "If you want to play, you gotta you gotta play goalie." 
Yep. Oh, she can't play. So I was like, okay. So then I started playing, you know, goalie, took my lumps and bruises and eventually tried to get out there on the ice. And it was definitely a learning curve from being on shoes and the Franklin pads and yeah, you <laughs> using know, a, a first baseman's mitt. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause I think I was about 12 when I started playing hockey too. And today people think that's starting late and, especially when it comes to goalie, I think that's almost the perfect time to start because you're not starting when you're little and kind of form, forming some of these bad habits just because you're not good enough and the the shooters just can't do anything. You know, so I, I almost think to start goalie, 12 is almost that ideal age, if you ask me. Uh, I think it worked out for me too because I was I was go, I was about to go into high school and in, in, I think I was, was about seventh grade, so – you know, all I was doing was playing like the the house league that they had at the at my local rink. Yep. And only having one practice and one game a week allowed me to go to you know private sessions and mm-hmm. you know goalie sessions at this this really great mini rink. It's called KB Hockey, and it's like the rink is maybe like thirty by forty. It's a small rink, mm-hmm. boards all around, and. Every work out there, the puck was always coming out in front for rebounds. So it was a really, really good, really good place to train. And I was also old enough where it was, you know, I really want to do this. So I really kind of put my nose to the grindstone for those few few years and, you know, put a lot of work into it. And then by the time I got to high school, I was I was ready to play high school hockey. Yeah. So you play in high school. Um, did did you play beyond high school competitively or was was that the end of the road for you? Well, I played my – I just played high school my first two years of high school. So going into my junior year, I played on a double-A team. But, you know, I felt that I can go further. So my senior year, I went and I tried out for a junior B team, and I ended up making the team and ended okay. up being one of the top guys on that team. So now the question is, going into college, do you want to go play juniors or do you want to, you know, go yeah. to college and play for whatever team, that whatever school you go to? And – uh, it was took a little convincing from my mom. My dad was all in for it, but uh, <laughs> I went to play junior hockey. Uh, I decided to go out to Helena, Montana, from New York City to Helena, Montana, and I played two years there. And it was the one of the best two years of my life so far. It was it was such a blast playing out there because we had we actually it was weird we actually had fans because you know the closest <laughs> pro team out there is the Avalanche or the Flames. Yeah, so all the there's not much in Montana. Are, yeah, yeah. So we yeah, had like you know two thousand people plus at games, and it really, it really was a blast. You know, it's funny you mentioned playing junior hockey in Montana. I don't think people realize how many junior teams there are in Montana. Um, and when I was playing college hockey, I played for a small Division three uh, school. I was on the JV for four years, but my coach was out in Montana doing a uh, recruiting trip. And he comes back, he goes, I'm, I'm out in the middle of Montana and I have my St. Mary's shirt on and some kid comes up to me, goes, hey, do you know Joe Drennan? And he goes, I'm in the middle of Montana and somebody knows you. What's going on here? I, I was <laughs> like, uh, was his name Brian Coleman by chance? Uh, his dad, he, he was a fireman. And he goes, yeah, it was. I said, you probably ran into the only person in the entire state that knew me. <laughs> he goes, but he was just, he couldn't uh, get over the fact that uh, he's out there recruiting and somebody's asking about their third string JV goalie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No, out there it's a lot of fun because you, you get, you know, I play with kids from Alaska, kids from yep. Canada, you know, guys from overseas. It was it was uh, kind of a big melting pot. I was the only New Yorker, of course, but yeah, uh, definitely uh, took my licks for that. Everything so, going on in New York, they said it's because of me. But <laughs> so you you play a little junior hockey, uh, and, and at some point that that comes to an end. So did did you wind up going to college and playing there at all, club or anything? Well, so I played the two years in Montana, and then my in the middle of my second year in Montana, I came flew back home to New York to take the fire department test. And I actually remember missing like three days of practice, and then going back that weekend and getting pulled in the game. So I was, <laughs> I was like upset because that's what I was doing at the time was playing hockey, and I was upset. Yeah. I, was like, oh, I can't believe I missed practice, and then I was all messed up. I, you know, I got pulled, and then. You know, that next summer, the results, the, the results come out, and it's like, hey, it looks like you're going to get in in the next uh, year or so here. So you have to be 21 to get on, but I believe you have to be 17 and a half or 18 to take the fire department test. Mm-hmm. So I decided to play my last, my, my 20 bomb year in, in Brooklyn for the New York Aviators, which is, you know, right by me here. And we... I was just going to, you know, the investigation, the medical, all, all the requirements I had to do to get onto the fire department. But I was also playing junior hockey six days a week and yeah. trying to commit to a school. So I, I ended up at the end of the season committing to Becca College, which was a D3, it's a double D3 school. And that was the goal. The goal was to put, try and play NCAA hockey. And... I was going in that September and it was looking like I was going to the Academy in November. <laughs> so um, I decided to, you know, stay out of student debt and all that and go right into the fire Academy at, at 21 in November instead. Nice. It's uh good planning on your part. That's for sure. Um, so you, you go to the Academy, I, I'm sure at this point, cause dad being a cop, you, you knew of the hockey teams, you know, were you trying to figure out how, how do I uh, get on the team right away? Or were you kind of going, let me get started on the job first? Well, during the academy, um, you know, I didn't touch the ice. So it was just all the academy. But, you know, hockey's a very tight-knit community, as you know. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. So, you know, I, I knew a couple of guys that were already on the team, and, and they knew that I was in the academy. And they said, just get through the academy. And, and, you know, after that, you know, we'll, we'll get you down here to skate. But as I graduated the academy, I uh, went in in 2019. As I graduated the academy in early 2020, that's when COVID really, really hit hard. Where mm-hmm. and, and That's when all the quarantine started, you know. So pretty much all we were doing was, you know, skating once a week. There wasn't any tryouts. It was just I got out in April. Or March, and they they told me, hey, we know you know you're looking to come onto the team. Why don't you come down and skate, you know, once a week with us? While this is all going on, and we'll go from there. And I went out there and just never stopped, never stopped skating with them. Yeah, well, and I'm sure once you get in the academy and they find out you're a goalie, they're going, okay, <laughs> we need to be nice to this kid and get get him out for a few <laughs> because goal. I mean. New York, you, you got a few more than uh, other departments, but uh, not many goalies floating around. It was more the uh, the instructors that were from firehouses that have uh, you know aspiring hockey teams that play in like the battalion hockey league and stuff like that. 
that they, uh, you know, trying to get me, you know, try to speak to people to see if they can get me. But I ended up exactly where I wanted to end up in terms of being in a firehouse. That that's nice. Uh, in fact, uh, a friend of the family, he just graduated the Chicago Fire Academy. And, you know, my, my dad, the whole time he's going, all right, where, where's where's he going to land? And he found out he was on a uh, tower ladder on the far south side. He's like, all right, you're at a good house now. Just don't mess it up. He's like, yeah. you can stay there and, and be really happy. Just don't mess it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the All the athletes, you know, the baseball players, the guys that, you know, could be on the football team, the baseball team, once they know who you are, you know, obviously you don't get any special treatment. You might get even worse treatment. They try and, you know, get you, try and bust you a little bit more. But they definitely try and get you – to their firehouse if, if they can. Yeah. Yeah. They, they want, they want to be able to look over you and make sure uh, if there's a big game coming up that they can pull the strings needed to uh, make sure you're off. Absolutely. The, uh, the only thing is that with this game, as you know, I, I backed up in the game in September and I yeah. played in April. Um, there's a rule. So we have this big, you know, ice, ice hockey tournament called King of the Ice. And it's every firehouse pretty much has a team. Yeah. It's like 96 teams or whatever on in it. And if you dress in that game, you are not allowed to play with your firehouse. That's one of the rules. <laughs> so when they found out that I was backing up the first year before I played that year, before I could play with them on King of the Ice, even though it got canceled anyway because of COVID, but they said, you're really not going to give the firehouse a year. You're going to, you know, <laughs> you're going to go sit on the bench and then you're not, and, and you're not going to play with us. Are you serious? I definitely got, um, I definitely got a, um, my chops busted for that one, but I think this year they, after this game, they were, um, you know, they kind of quieted down about it a little bit. So your first go with, you know, the team was the September game, you know, the 20 the year anniversary game at Madison Square Garden. Uh, what was that like to even being on, you know, on the bench for that game? That There had to be some nerves going there. Um, I I tell you what, I felt really good in warm-ups. I was ready to go, but um, <laughs> it was I. Uh, me and Kurt, Kurt really uh, competed the whole summer. I knew he had the you know the time and was most likely gonna gonna play over mm-hmm. me. But you know we competed the whole summer, and you know if anything went went you know awry, I thought I was ready to ready to go. But as the game settled in, I kind of just sat down and enjoyed watching the game. I was just into it as like a, a guy on the bench. Um, going into it knowing you're not playing, you really you know, I really wasn't that nervous. Yep. Because, you know, if I go in, things are going bad already. So I can only, <laughs> you know, they're not, you know, things aren't going to get much worse if they get any worse if, if I have to come in. But that game was entertaining, especially for the, you know, the guys watching it. A lot of goals in that game. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, when I was talking to Mike Nano, uh, Jimmy Becker ran into him in that game and took him out really hard and, Jimmy and I played college hockey together. So I, I sent him a message as, and I asked him, Hey, you have any apologies for Mike? And he goes, Oh no, no, we, we got it, got it out of the way after the game. But uh, we, we were picking on Jimmy a little bit when Mike and I were talking because yeah, the kid can't skate to begin with anyway. <laughs> no, he's a, uh, you know, he's a power play guy. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. J- Jimmy's a good kid. Always, always has a smile on his face when he's on the ice. And uh, like you said, he, he's a good, smart power play hockey player and uh every shift he was out there he's always giving it his all so you know he, he's the kind of player you want on the ice 
Yeah, he's got a pretty uh, wicked one-timer. He's always practicing it on me, and uh, the first always happens to be the first few shots I get in practice is him taking one-timers from the top of the yeah. table. So. <laughs> Some things don't change. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about there. Yeah, I, I do. Um, so, you know, you back up Kurt in September, and, and then uh, – it's kind of funny because we say this year's game rolls around, but it was only a few months later because games are typically in the spring, but because of COVID and everything, the 2021 uh, game was in the fall. So this year's game rolls around, Kurt steps down from the team and uh, you get thrust into the starter position. How, how did that feel? Well, I, I thought I was, you know, I thought I was ready. Um, it it was it was a weird season because we we played all so we skated all summer went everywhere yeah which is you know uncharacteristic of of the team especially with everything going on in the summer with uh, the department usually uh, overtime is through the roof and you know you spend a lot of time at the firehouse it was yeah. a big sacrifice to go all summer to play in September and then if we were playing in April again you know he gave it we we took like two two and a half months off as if it was a summer but it was. September 9th till, you know, maybe the end of end of November, we started getting back out on the ice or, okay. or middle of November. So, yes, October off a little bit of November, and then we, we got back into it. But um, when I when I came back, to, you know, there was a few goals. We had five when I got added to the team. And then one guy got hurt. Kurt uh, stepped away. And then another guy completely quit too. So it was me and, you know, one other guy. Mm-hmm. And the practices were definitely a little tough with two goalies. You know, I was not getting yeah. out of the nets and all. And then, you know, we ended up having to get a guy that that was on the team that's played in this game several times. Uh, Billy Prang, really, um, really, really good guy. He came back for you know the second half of the season to you know give us a little bit of relief in practices <laughs> and. But he, he was all about it. He knew exactly uh, what he was doing. He ended up backing me up in that game, which was – it was good to have, uh, you know, the veteran experience yeah. uh, behind me there. And I, I definitely talked to Kurt before that game. He was giving me, you know, some tips and pointers about that game. You know, you, you know drink two gallons of water the day before because <laughs> you get, you're not going to realize how much you get a sweat in that game. And Yeah. Those TV like, lights are hot. It's it's not uh it's not like a, your regular hometown rink where you walk in and it's freezing ice cold. It is it is warm in those buildings for sure. Yeah. So, you know, as I've talked with Kurt and Mike and Brandon, you know, the rivalry game has a little more uh, pregame ceremonies than than most. It's not just playing the national anthem. There there's a lot going on on the ice. People coming in and out of the locker room, and on top of that, it's the rivalry. You, you know. You guys, when you're on that ice, you, you hate the cops. Uh, only when you're on the ice, you hate them. Uh, what kind of nerves did you have going into that game, and what did you do to calm them? Well, I think this um, – I'm not a very superstitious goalie. Uh, you know, the only thing I do is I put my left skate on before my right. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not that guy that has that routine that if, you know, if that goes astray, you, you know, now I'm on my head. I'm not like that. I'm – you hear me joking around two minutes before we go out on the ice and, you know, being loose, that, that's a good thing. That yeah. means I'm just ready to go out there and I play my best hockey when I'm just out there playing, you know, when I'm not thinking about everything. So the only thing with that is we have a lot of the, you know, because it's a lot of charity money that, you know, we raise and that that game raises. So throughout the 
the time in the locker room, you know, we have the families of, you know, our fallen brothers and sisters coming in and, you know, we give money to foundations and we're, in there. we're trying to get ready for the game. And they also come in and take pictures. So it is a little bit hectic before the game, but that's what, that is what it's all about. The only thing that was probably the hardest for me was, you know, standing for the national anthem and the, you know, all the pregame ceremonies because when, you know, you know how it is when you're standing on your skates yeah. like that for a half hour, you know, you yeah. gotta, you know, shake, shake them out a little bit. So, you know, the warm up was already about an hour ago and <laughs> now you just got to get ready to go. But uh, it, it, it all worked out in the end. I think um, by the score, I, I, it, uh, it was pretty good. I, I'm, I was ready to get back in there for another one the next day. Yeah. If you ask me. Now, you know, dad's a cop and, he should cheer for the cops in that game. You know, was he conflicted going to that no. game? Going, who do I cheer for? Did, did did he want you to do well, but the cops to win, or what? Not at all. He was wearing his fire department gear, regardless <laughs> of what he might tell everybody. He was, you know, sitting in my section, rooting for the fire department team. He actually, you know, he's retired now. So every game that I play that that's near where he lives is, you know, he comes. It'll be like eleven o'clock game. Yeah, I have a game tonight. There's a chance he might just show up just to watch the game. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I hockey parents are like that. Not just dads, but hockey parents. And if my dad didn't live halfway across the country, he'd probably come to all my games too. And I, I think half the reason he come to the games is because he knows there's beer in the locker room afterwards. <laughs> but uh Absolutely. That, that he would he would come for that reason and then the others because the team i'm on is uh, almost all volunteer firemen from where i live there's i think only three of us that aren't on the job uh but as some of the guys joke i grew up going to the firehouse with dad so you know they're going you've you've seen more fires than half of us have so you, you've got more time on the job than we do so you fit right in <laughs> uh but yeah that that that's awesome that dad comes to the game so uh, was dad a New York uh, cop or was he in the yes, suburbs? Yes, he was okay. NYPD. He was NYPD. He uh, worked in Brooklyn and uh, East New York, and he, he ended up, when he retired, he was a detective. So, Okay, so he, he was probably working 9-11 then. I was very, very fortunate that my dad was off at home, you know, sleeping in sleeping in bed when, when that was going on because he was, he would have undoubtedly been there and you know, I, I don't know what uh what would have happened from there. So I'm, I'm definitely blessed that he was, you know, we grew up in Staten Island. So I was very blessed that he was at home and not there. Yep. But I'm sure as soon as things started happening, he got ready and he went to work. And the next couple of weeks were crazy. Absolutely. I, I, I have to say, I really don't remember it because I was, I was only two at the time. You're making me feel old. I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I was only two at the time. So I, I actually have zero recollection of it that day. I just, I know a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of friends of mine who, who lost parents, who lost brothers, who lost sisters, who lost family members. Um, you, even to this day, you, you feel it, you know, my, yep. you know, friends that grew up without fathers, grew up without mothers, it's, you know, it, it changes everything. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, like I said, I was a uh, junior in college when that happened. And uh, my dad was the head of collapse rescue in Chicago at the time. And so I, I was just waiting for the phone call. I knew he was going out there and that evening he called and uh, it was that double ring off campus ring. And usually, cause this was pre cell phones, 
you know, you'd get your one phone call with mom and dad a week and it was usually about half hour or so. And, uh, I remember the entire phone call and it was dad. He goes, I'm headed to New York in the morning. I said, I I figured you would. And he goes, I don't know when or if I'll be home. I love you. And all all I could say is I love you back. And there, there was nothing more we could say. Um, emotions were too raw because we, we didn't know what was going to happen. You know, they, they were on the piles digging. You didn't know if there was going to be a collapse or an explosion or what. So it was, uh, I think they were out there 10, 12 days. Um, and it was funny as, as dad tells the story, the uh, water department had just gotten a brand new big old truck. So they quick got it to the shops with the fire department, uh, lettering and everything on there and then they filled it up with air bottles hand tools any anything they could fit in this truck they threw in there uh, and they assembled a, a team kind of uh you could almost call it a special forces team you know guys like uh, eventual commissioner hoff at the time i think he was battalion chief hoff um you know like my dad uh, Chief Chikorotis, who who's the technical director on Chicago Fire now, a bunch of guys like that, you know, the, the best of the best. And they got them together. I think there were about 15 or so of them, and they sent them out. And uh, as Dad tells the story, the Chicago Police Department gave them an escort to the border. Well, somehow the Indiana State Patrol found out about it. So they met them at the border and gave them an escort through Indiana. And then Ohio, they get an escort through Indiana. And his dad said the only state they didn't have a police escort in was uh, Pennsylvania because they couldn't keep up with them. <laughs> Pennsylvania, east to west, is a is a very long state. Yeah, but but he said uh, the, the police escort was going so fast, uh, their vehicles couldn't keep up with them. But he said, you know, the drive out there, uh, they, they would stop for gas. And some of the local uh gas station franchisees gave them, you know, gas cards and said, you know, fill up on us. And even some of the fast food joints, they gave them cards saying eat on us, but they said everywhere they stopped, they couldn't pay either, you know, the, the gas stations, the restaurants, they just said, no, whatever you need or bystanders that they were paying. So they, they knew where they were headed. And, uh, uh, my aunt and uncle who live in Minnesota, got one of the last rental cars out of Boston to drive home. And they're going like this in the middle of Indiana. And my uncle sees this caravan and he goes, I bet you cousin Joe's on there. And sure enough, he was, but uh, you know, dad said it was kind of a light jovial ride out there. And he said, as soon as I hit that George Washington bridge, I mean, you know, it. you're on the rig, you're going to a fire, things are light. And then you turn that corner, you see the smoke and okay, it's, it's go time. Now he goes, once they hit that George Washington bridge, things got serious and it was serious for the 12 days they were there until they were, relieved of their duty no yeah absolutely uh you're uh you're right about that and i think especially for that that you know tying it back to that game for you know the police and the fire it's you know playing bad in that game isn't the worst thing that could happen to you as, yeah you know a lot of us know so well, we, we go out there we just you know we like to everyone likes to win everyone likes to play well but yeah you know, you're ready to go at the drop of a hat when you're at work. So if you're not ready to go for something you can prepare for and know exactly when it's starting, you know, you get a little extra things to go on going on there. Well, the, the game has definitely taken on new meaning since 9-11 because it always had that charity aspect to it. But there, there's a little more to it now, um, you know, and I, I think the players and the fans, they get that, you know, 
yeah, the the puck drops and the fans start chanting PD sucks and all that <laughs> stuff. But it, it it's in good nature because they they know it's it's about something bigger now. It's not just the rivalry. It's it's beyond that now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a crime and love to drink. So when <laughs> and most of them like hockey. So the ones that like hockey and the ones that like to drink is a, is a pretty big group. So. Yeah, you know they come down there and they're just there to have another good time. A lot of places make it like a firehouse outing where they go with the tents and everything. They barbecue beforehand and then they go in and they, they try to drink as much beer as they can. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer, with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season. Like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your Betting options feel endless. As a Cubs fan, it's tough to look at the uh, standings and get too excited. But with DraftKings, I can get excited about every game by placing prop bets. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. <laughs> now, I, I know that you know there, there's the football game, there's baseball, the basketball, there's boxing, but for some reason in New York, the hockey game has taken center stage. You know, do those other sports get, you know, good followings, or is it still just the, the hockey team just takes the cake? Listen, all, all those sports do get good followings, but when it comes down to the game against PD or that big moment at the end of the season, uh, they they really don't match us. Like the, the PD, FD baseball team plays, I believe it um, – Mamamides Park, which is where the Brooklyn Cyclones play, yeah. or you know, a minor league stadium upstate they'll play in. And PD PD played FD at MetLife Stadium, I want to say two years ago for the 9/11 anniversary. But after that, this year, I think they just played in a regular, you know, high school or college field. Whereas every every year we're playing in an NHL arena, whether it be the Garden. They played at the Barclays a few years ago when they still mm-hmm. had hockey going on there. UBS this year. So it's um, every year after year we sell out that game. And even the, the 9-11 game, the only reason why it wasn't, you know, packed in there was because we because of the COVID restrictions that they yep. had. And people just said that they'd rather watch it on TV because they knew it was going to be televised. But technically that game was still sold out because – all the tickets from the year before were honored. So it doesn't right. matter if you, if you made it or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that ESPN aired the September game and I, I was able to find the live stream for, you know, the game this fall. And, you know, it, it, it was funny watching the ESPN broadcast of it because Butcher Grouse kept going, 
this is not beer league hockey, guys. This is good competitive hockey. You know, it's 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 not NHL or AHL by any means, but it's this isn't your average beer league game you're watching when you watch this game. There, there's a lot of talent on both rosters, guys that did play in the show, guys that played Division One and minor league hockey. No, absolutely. I think a lot of people when they come down and they see that game for the first time, they think asleep. All they usually hear about are the fights and what it you know used to be a few years ago. Where it was just, you know, there was some games that it was just a melee the entire time. So, you know, when they come down, they see us actually playing, you know, decent hockey. You know, so I'd say somewhere around, the, you know, the college level of hockey, it um, it changes everything. And, you know, they get invested in the game. It's, a, it's, not, it's, it's definitely not a bad game to watch and if you're looking to watch a decent hockey. Well, and as was pointed out in the uh, documentary Rivalry City, the, the – uh fight at Nassau Coliseum kind of added another layer to the to the game and another reason why it's a sellout because people are waiting to see another bench clearing brawl. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That uh that game is very um that game has the potential to get out of hand. And it did <laughs> that year. Um so a lot of people will come just just for the fact that the selling point is all oh, they're gonna, you know, kick the crap out of each other. So you should you know, it's going to be a good time. And then, you know, whether they like it or not, they're going to see a, a decent hockey game instead nowadays, I think. Yeah. Especially well, if the game stays tight like it, like it was this past year. I don't remember if there was a year without any fights at all like this year just because nobody wanted to give an inch because it was so close. You know, a high-scoring game is a little bit easier, a little bit more wide open. You know, you might get one back. But if you don't know if you're going to score another one or not, you might not want to take yourself off the ice. Five and minutes. that's what I was just going to say, too, is um, you and Brandon played phenomenal in the game. I mean, you, you guys made some huge saves. And, you know, as the commentators point out, it's usually a higher scoring game. But, you know, it was a 2-1 overtime game. So, uh, you know, kudos to the both of you for coming out in your, your first, uh, you know, go at, at the rivalry game and just standing on your heads. It, it was almost a shame somebody had to lose, but uh, at least it was the cops, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, that, <laughs> that, I've been on the wrong end of several games where uh, you, you came out a loss, but, you know, you were happy with how you played. However that happened, as long as, you know, if, if we had lost that game, as long as the, the, the goal I gave up in overtime wasn't a, wasn't a bad one, I don't know if I would have been able to, you know, hang my, uh, hang my head low. But he played great, and, you know, hopefully, you know, him and I are both uh, on the younger end, so hopefully we can keep this going for, you know, another 10-plus years if, if we're lucky. Yeah, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a few more matchups between the two of you, that's for sure. Um, so, being mindful of time, I, I like to end every episode with a list of uh, 10 rapid-fire questions. They're the same questions I've asked every single guest, uh, so that, that's the fun part. You know, if you go back and listen to ones with youth goalies I've had to NHL goalies, they're, they're all the same questions. And the first one is, what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days? Oh, where, what a coach did to me? Oh, well, just a coach... Oh. <laughs> Anything that happened, you know, it, it could have been an opposing coach just kind of losing his cool. You know, I, I think of uh, I went to a Hawks um, Panthers game when Mike Keenan was the coach of the Panthers and he did not like a call and he starts throwing sticks at the refs and everything else. How he didn't get kicked out that game, I don't know. Um, 
Well, I'll, I'll go with this one. I, I had a coach when I played in Brooklyn that, um, you know, he really didn't, you know, talk to the goalies much. It was, you know, if you saved the puck, you, you, you did your job. If you didn't, you didn't. So we, um, I got pulled one game, you know, I, 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 maybe I wasn't playing that well, but, you know, it wasn't a good game for the team overall. And I was getting pulled. And as, as I came on to the bench, um, he made a comment to me. He said, you know, got to be better than that or something like that. It felt like it was almost rubbing salt in the uh, already open wound of getting pulled in a game. And him and I, this is, you know, I was 20 years old. You know, yeah. I, we, he's that type of guy that he wants you to come back at him. He wants to see the fire in you. And, you know, him and I got, we're in a screaming match on, <laughs> on the bench in the, in the middle of Connecticut somewhere. And, <laughs> And, you know, we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And eventually I sat down and I, I don't think we talked for like three weeks. I still played every game. You know, I was still the starter, but it was funny how he just wanted to see something. He, he said that to me just to see something out of me, I think. He wanted to, you know, see if I was just going to take it or yeah, or if I was going to, you know, show I, show I cared. And, you know, I, I don't think – I think we should probably should have talked within the three weeks. But <laughs> he was that type of coach where he was like, all right, now I know – I know what I have, so. Yeah, he knows how far he can push you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he expected me to explode like I did, and I probably shouldn't have, but yeah, it's all in the past now. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do that. I, I even think as players, you got to know your coaches and which ones you can push back at and which ones you can't, you know. I never got yeah. into the uh, the shouting matches with coaches, but there, there were a few where I, I would um, – I wouldn't question their authority, but I, I would push back and let them know I was not happy with their um, decision. And, you know, I, I think, like you said, it it earns a little bit of their respect because they, they know there's a little more fire in there than maybe they anticipated. Yeah, he, he was a coach that he would walk through the locker room to his office and, you know, he might not even say anything to anybody. He might just, you know, just keep walking. And it, it was just a, a different – a different thing. He knew he knew what he could get out of guys, and you know, if you wanted to get a fire in somebody's belly, you knew how to do it. So, yeah. So th- the next question: What's your favorite all-time goalie mask? Oh, favorite all-time goalie mask. I gotta say, it has to be the um, the Richter with the Liberty on the top. Such a great mask. <laughs> I um, they actually made me one for this game. Uh, one of the foundations made me one, and it didn't fit. I had oh, my bag no. right behind me here. It, 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 it didn't fit. I wore it, I think, for a practice and a half, and it was just crushing my head. I was just getting a headache oh. every time. So, unfortunately, I didn't wear it, but I still have it. So Yeah, so, you know, something it, to put on display in the house one of these days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been, Honestly, I should take it out of my bag. It's just been in my bag in the case for – six seven months now and it hasn't been put on my head <laughs> but um i'd like to do something with it for the you know the foundation that was uh giving it to me um maybe auction it off or something like that which they did uh two years ago for the pd um the 20th anniversary game so yeah if we could do something like that that would be good i'm just trying to get the authentic hockey smell on it while we in the bag <laughs> there you go yeah i mean that richter mask you know what, what i loved about so many of those goalies of that era is you know richter's mask changed little bits here and there but for the most part it was the same the whole his whole career with the rangers and 
you just you don't see that with a lot of guys anymore. You know, they're they're if they're not changing it up every season, they're changing it up several times throughout the season. Uh, but you know, you had guys like Pavin who kept the same thing their entire career. Uh, Belfort, it it modified over the years, but it was the same same look, and they they just don't have that these days. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now I, I, you know, they have the money, the technology, and yeah. they can, you know, make 10 different masks with 10 different designs. But I think that is that is probably one of the cooler things is it was the exact same for the whole career. You saw that mask, you knew who it was. Yeah. You know, I really can't tell you who what's on Igor Shosturkin's mask right now, but I can tell you what was on Richter's yeah. 20 years ago. <laughs> well, he, even uh, Van Beesbrooks when he was in New York, and you know, so many of them. That, that's one of the things I loved about Corey Crawford is he changed it probably three or four times, but he kept the same look to his mask year to year. Uh, I lose your mic again. I plugged it back in. I, I got to stop hitting the thing when I. Move my arms. I I, I bounce the uh, mic and the the cord pops out. But uh, yeah, Crawford he, he had the same mask for a while, and it, it was just kind of nice to see. And it was a simple mask with you know detail close up, but for the most most part, you could see figure it out from far away. Um, so the next question: What's your favorite rink that you've played at? Ooh, like home rink or just rink I've played at ever? Any rink in general. I mean, yeah, it's hard not to go with, um, you know, the UBS arena. I mean, it's a yeah. famous rink. But if we're talking about, you know, outside of that, my favorite rink to play at was my home rink in Helena, Helena Ice Arena. That rink was, you know, was loud. It was, it was, you know, we always had, you know, at least 1,500 to 2,000 fans every game. And that that was packing the barn. So, yeah, it was, a lot, it was a lot of fun to play there. That was, you know. That was home ice. That yeah. was, you had a huge, huge, uh, huge advantage when you played at home there. Yeah, it's funny on how even some of the smaller rinks, when you get that place packed, it feels a lot bigger than it really is. Well, I was going to say this before because, you know, thinking about all the, you know, 18,000 people in that in that thing, it just sounds like a roar. You really don't hear yeah. what people are saying. It's just, you know, there's a lot of people there. Like when we when I played there or played it when I was in Montana, but we played uh, the Vale Yeti, which is a semi-pro team in in Vale, Colorado. We went to see them twice this year, and they you know they maybe put like sixteen, seventeen hundred people in the stands, but they have like a railing right above the the goalies, well as like right above over the glass, so the puck could pop out and go straight up. And when somebody's like talking down on you in a rink like that, you can hear every single <laughs> word that they are saying to you. So I feel like that's a little bit tougher when somebody's actually, you know, you can hear everything they're saying. It's very hard yeah. to tooting somebody that happens yelling at you from 10 feet away. But there's too many people in uh, a rink like UBS where it's, you really can't hear or, or, or see really many faces in the crowd. It's just, you know, there's well, a crowd. <laughs> not only that, the, the glass in the NHL rinks is so much taller that when you are on the ice, yeah. You're kind you're kind of shielded from anything. Like you said, it's just more of a roar that you hear coming over. You you're not hearing the direct insults of the person banging on the glass. Um exactly. but when when you're in those smaller rinks, yeah, you can hear every last insult they're hurling your way and it's fun. Um It is fun. I will agree with that. <laughs> so what is your favorite stick that you've ever used? 
I used to cut my sticks like Henrik Lundqvist cut his sticks or Dominic Cassidy cut his sticks. So I was using foam core up to this year. This year I have the uh, the Warrior. I actually have it here. Warrior SR2, whatever uh, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta I gotta say I love those sticks, but I don't know if you ever heard of twigs. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that used to be like the Goalie Monkeys brand of sticks. Yeah. I was buying those sticks hand over fist. I love those sticks. Uh, I wish they still made them. If they still made them, if they still made foam core, I probably would be cutting my sticks like I did, but I uh, I had to make the adjustment because they just don't sell them anymore. Yeah, well, so I, they would, they're they hard to come them. by. <laughs> yeah, they're hard to come by, and they're also, you know, when they're not being made anymore, the quality of them has dipped. Yeah, so when – when this last season started, I was, I was due for a new stick and I'm a foam core holdout and I got a new set of Vaughn pads this last uh, summer. So I was like looking around and I saw Keith Kincaid Vaughn foam core stick that matched my pads. I was like, all right, there we go. It's the right height. We'll, we'll go with <laughs> it. And that was on um, pro stock hockey. I think it was, um, mm-hmm. I, I think it was, I, I forget which one, but yeah, it was, one of those is like, all right, so I'm, I'm kind of liking that Vaughn foam core. So hopefully I can find a few more when this one starts to die out uh, or breaks. Hopefully it, neither of those happen anytime soon. Yeah, I bought, I bought two of those warrior sticks and I, I'm not the type to rotate my sticks. I use one stick at practice and go in games and to completion when it breaks and then Same. I go to the other one. So uh, I'm still using that the first one. The other one pretty much hasn't been touched. It's just been coming with me everywhere. So yep, I'm the same. Even in college, when we got six pretty cheap, it was I go with one stick until it's dead, and then I pull the next one up in the uh, in the stick rack. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was always uh, bring two sticks out to the bench for home games, and I'd bring a third stick on the road with me just in case shit hit the fan. Yeah, I, w- I was never big into buying the newest, most expensive gear because when I first started, I you know the gear I was using was out of the donation bin or from yeah. Party Again uh, Sports, and um, even th- these uh, I have the Warrior right now, the Warrior G- uh, GTS mm-hmm. now, like one of the newer Warrior pads now. But up until then, I was always buying like. I knew I had to get with a pro pad because of all the playing I was having for juniors, but I was always look for the model two years or a year before that, because there really isn't that much of a difference. It's just, I want to get them off their shelves. Yeah. So, uh, two out of the three years I played juniors, including my last year, I was using a Reebok XLTs. I found two pairs of them back to back years. And those are heavy pads compared to the war. The warriors are like feathers compared to those pads, but you know, those were $1,600 pads and, they were half off because they were trying to, you know, get rid of them. And they were half off again because they had them in store. They wanted to get them off the shelf. Yeah. So I bought a pair of pro pads for $400 and used them for the whole season. It's fantastic. I, uh, I always a bargain hunter. I started out using, you know, whatever association equipment they had. And I, I shoveled driveways and sidewalks when I was a kid because we had a lot of old people on our block. So I, I would save up my money and I'd go buy a piece of equipment here and there and you know, when I was in high school, I, I had uh, senior level equipment. But when I went to college, he's like, all right, now now is the time to upgrade. And so I, I worked our summer hockey camp going into my freshman year. And I forget how much we got each week. But by the time I came back, I was able to buy myself a pro, pro level set of uh, leg pads. And then I saved up a little money throughout the school year and 
during the season, I, I got the gloves to match with it. And that was back in uh, 1999. And I finally replaced them this year. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, they, they, they were heavy, awesome. but boy, did they last. Uh, yeah, they, they, they were a good set. That's for sure. Uh, I, I was always so the next question, what's your favorite? You oh, go on. No, you go ahead. You good. Oh, no, you, you go on, because I was just going to move to the next question. So have at it. Yeah, I, I was always uh, blessed with pads because my goalie coach, he was the type to come out with, with his pads on. Uh, his name was Mike McDonald. He was a great, great goalie coach. He he really helped me get where I uh, where I needed to be. I wanted to shout him out, as well as, as well as my goalie coach in Montana, Brandon Venata. He was, you know, him and I, I talked to both of them just as much as they, even though I don't skate with them anymore. But yeah, uh, I always had good pads because him and I were the same height. Nice. You know, five, five, ten, five, nine, five, ten. And he would get a pair of pads wear for six months coaching. And that was his job was to coach hockey. So he would be like, all right, it's time to get a new set. So yeah. I would always Tax be right one off. of the guys. I would always be one of the guys offered to get the, his old set. So he would usually mark them down pretty uh, significantly for me. Nice. So I just wanted to give them a quick shout out because uh, they were, they were huge for my development as a goalie, those two. Yeah, it, it's always fun to look back and see, you know, those those people that helped uh, influence you, get get you to where you are today. And some of them were goalie coaches. Others were just, uh, you know, th- that person that uh, Kenny gave, that coach that gave you that leash to develop, didn't matter how you were playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to be doing two pad stacks, and then I saw one of these guys like, yeah, we're, gonna, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to... I know it's dying. I still pull it I, out every once. Yeah, I was gonna say I still do it, and it, it's funny because it, it catches guys off, um, uh, you know, off guard. But th- that's just that's how I learned how to play, and and now I've been playing in my league long enough. They 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 know it. It's coming. So I, luckily, I'm very flexible. So I don't know if I'm gonna stack the pads or come across in the um, uh, splits. Because thank God I'm so flexible. Yeah, I, I I think the poke check is a very underutilized tool these days as well because yes. no one no no one expects the poke check, especially you know I'm a you know regular stance goalie, uh, lefty coming backhand to forehand across that's that's an easy that's an easy one. Yeah, yeah. For me, whenever there's a breakaway and they're coming from my glove side, and I know I I like to come yep. out a little bit further so that I stack the pads and poke check out, and nine out of ten times they tumble over me and don't get a shot off or anything else. I was playing in a uh, league for 3M right before COVID. And I did that. The guy went over me, goes sliding into the boards. Not, not a penalty if you watch it. Cause I, I touched the puck first and everything. He just, he jumped over me and they, the ref awarded a penalty shot. And I look and I go, why? And he goes, ah, he kind of went into the boards a little hard. And I go, not my no. fault. Like it's not a penalty yet alone a penalty shot, and I, I stopped the penalty shot. But I was like, "Are you kidding me? That, that's that's not a penalty." And so, when when I think of uh, penalties I've had called against me, I don't include that one because it wasn't really a penalty. <laughs> no, absolutely. So, uh, what's your favorite youth hockey memory? Um, I really didn't play that much youth hockey. I was just right into high school, so. Um, that counts. 
All right. Okay. I can't high school. Um, when I was a sophomore, I mean, we weren't really a, you know, a powerhouse hockey school. When I was a sophomore, our GV made it to the city finals, which is the team I was on. And we had eight guys, including myself. <laughs> so we had five guys out there, me and two guys on the bench. And, you know, we beat a couple of, you know, high end powerhouse schools. Uh, we beat, uh, we beat Chaminade and St. Anthony's, which is like a two, you know, top, you know, schools for, you know, our league. We ended up losing in the finals, but um, they, you know, did something in the paper on us, like Army yeah. of Eight and stuff like that. So, nice. you know, I still have a wooden uh, – one of my good friends on the team, his um, his dad made us all wooden eights painted in our colors, and it was like he would do puzzle pieces on it. had everybody's name and number on it. And I still have that to this day. Um, it, we, they called us the Army of Eight, and you know, it was uh, it was a really fun experience. We really thought we could go all the way, but uh, we ended up losing in the finals. Well, to, you, to a group of guys, you know, a group of twenty five guys. <laughs> you did get all the way. You just didn't win that last game, so that that's pretty cool. Yes. Um, so th- this is a question that kind of uh, goes back to what you're, you're talking for those smaller arenas when they're packed what's the best chirp you've heard on the ice off the ice directed at you not directed at you uh best chirp wow well (laughs) it's actually funny where i so we get new jerseys every like two or three years the fire department now we have Mm -hmm. the red ones that you saw on the september 11th and the white ones that we wore this game were the first time we wore them so before that this whole season I was, I've been using somebody else's jerseys that weren't there. So when I was, we were playing in Vail, they were heckling me and they were like, you know, looking up our roster online and, you know, trying to look it up my number and I looked up a guy that wasn't on the team anymore. Cause obviously I was wearing his Jersey and they found his Instagram. I mean, they were talking about his mom, his sister, <laughs> everything. They were, they were letting it fly. And I was just dying laughing because they weren't even talking about me. And um, they had, like, an after party afterwards, and I ran into that guy that was heckling me. Because I remember him, you know, we drank with him the, last, the year before, too. And I was like, hey, I got to tell you, that's not me. You've been, you know, you've been talking a lot about a guy that isn't even on this team anymore. And then, you know, the next night when we played them, they uh, they they made sure they got it right. But <laughs> I just had to tell them. It was, it was very funny because just, just hearing them, they were yelling, Kenny, Kenny, just yelling at this guy, Kenny. And yeah, it was it was just foul stuff they were saying about him, and I just couldn't do nothing but laugh. <laughs> when you got back, did, did you share some of the uh, foul stuff they said about Kenny with him? I sure did. Um, <laughs> he uh, he said, "Well, thank God I wasn't there on the bench watching because that would have been horrible." But uh, <laughs> I'm not like that. I, I think the chirps are funny. I think they're yeah. great. Um, you know. Is there a line like? Is there really a line that you can cross? Yes, but it's it's very far away from me. You need yeah. to really, really hit home pretty hard. It's all how you but, respond um, to it, and when they start getting to that line, you, you just you you tune it out, and when, when you don't respond to them, it, it start it shuts them up eventually. Yeah, or you got to come back harder. Yeah, and beat them down. But <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean when they're funny about it, you know, and you start laughing, that then that. They keep going, but hey, if they're going to be funny, I'm all for it. Stays lighthearted, yeah. Once it, yeah. Once it gets gets a little malicious, then I could uh, have a chance to go bad. Yeah. So, what is the worst post game beer you've had? 
worst post game beer. I have to tell you that after the UBS, I mean, like I was, I was strong. I was very tired after that game. I was having drinks, but I was definitely. Um, if you told me the party was over and it was time to go to bed, I would have been like, "All right, you got it." I was, I was shot. Um, I really don't have that much experience on post game beers because I'm only 23. But uh, and I, in juniors, obviously, post game beers are frowned upon in locker rooms. I was gonna say you played junior hockey in Montana. Now I know you're telling us. <laughs> I mean, listen, post-game party is different than a post-game block over yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, especially when we were in uh, when we were in Vail, uh, you know, that altitude crushes you. Yeah. I remember we were up, like, you know, 5-2, to two and, you know, it was just penalty after penalty after penalty, and I was just like, this game needs to be over with. Like, last eight minutes of the game, I was just – it felt like it was, you know, a basketball game where it was just fouling at every time, and – you know, the game took an extra 40 minutes for the last eight minutes of the game. It was crazy. Yep. But I was definitely very, very exhausted after those games at altitude. Yeah, altitude will do that. I've been to uh, Denver once, and I remember that day we flew in. It kicked my butt. Um, I didn't think it would be that bad, but, yeah, it got to me. <laughs> and we had the guys with the oxygen cans in the locker room and uh, on the bench just taking a hit of oxygen. Yeah. But, oh, um, funny. Fun trips. So when you tape your sick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? I go toe to heel. All right, you're you're in the minority, but uh, just like Brandon, uh, is there a reason you go toe to heel? Uh, no, I go all the way around, uh, so I cover the heel. Mm-hmm. But that's just the the way I always did it. I started doing it like that. I only changed my I only changed my tape up one time and I did it for like three weeks. I did just, you know, the carry price, just the end to the middle and, yeah. you know, the heel completely exposed. But those foam core sticks and when you don't use a brand new stick every time, they get kind of beat up without the tape. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I hear that. It's funny because I asked that question and that uh, that can be a polarizing question for some goalies, mm-hmm. uh, depending on which yeah. way you go. So uh, what's your favorite number to wear and why? Well, right now I have a very, you know, weird number, as you probably know. Um, I wear double zero right now, and I am sticking with that. I think that's the number I'm going to be with for the rest of my fire department career. Um, When I was playing high school and everything, I wore 35 for, you know, Richter. And then when I went to juniors, I was going to take 30 for Lundquist, but somebody had it. So I went with 33 for uh, for Patrick Waugh. And when I was done with juniors, I, when I was going to college, I was like, ah, oh, I got to change my number again. And I asked the college coach, because this was a summer before I didn't end up going to school, but I said, can I wear double zero? He said, absolutely not. You can't wear double zero. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. And then, you know, I looked at the numbers. I forget what I ended up telling him, but I think, like, there was a number in the 70s in there. It was, it was going – it was going crazy, but uh, when I was asked what I wanted for the jersey from 9-11, I said double zero. And I said, you really? You sure? And I said, absolutely, double zero. So my my dad wore double zero growing up, basketball, baseball, hockey. My dad wore double zero. So did John Davidson. So did Marty yeah. Veron. And also, you can't wear double zero in the NHL anymore. You really don't right. see a double zero. So I said, why not, you know, be odd about it and – you know, let it rock. Some guys think that uh, it's, you know, it's a real dusty number, and some guys think it's cool. But 
doesn't matter. I think I, I like it. My dad was happy when I when I told him I was pick wearing double zero. Yeah, for me, it's you know what's the story behind it. I, I like to find out the story behind why guys might have a goofy number. And uh, double zero, when I saw it, I was like, it's New York, John Davidson. You know, it, it <laughs> makes sense. Um, you know. Yes, it was mostly for, for my dad because, you know, whatever, he, he he did a lot, you know, for me growing up to for me to be able to play hockey and, you know, a lot of sacrifice, we, you know, helping buy the gear or well, buying the gear until I got to a certain uh, age. But no, I thought it was, you know, was, I thought it would be cool to, you know, give that back to him a little bit. And then, you know, if anybody thinks that that's not cool, John Davidson wore it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, but the fact that it's got the connection to your dad, I mean, that right there makes it cool. Yeah, it definitely does look weird when you see it on a jersey, but yeah, I think it's all right. You're starting to see it a little more in basketball, although basketball you're starting to see just the single zero, uh, which to me, yeah. if, if you're going to go zero, I, I think you got to go double zero. You can't you just go, go with the single. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I mean, that's <laughs> uh, that's funny, single zero, double zero, but. It's all the same number. It's it's number that doesn't exist. So technically, if yeah. you look in the NHL, you can only wear one, two. Yeah. You know, the certain number. There's no there's no zero. Yeah, zero and there's doesn't exist to them. there's no good reason as to why they did away with zero and double zero. Well, the the league especially changed with the numbers. Like with Vasilevsky wearing eighty eight. Yeah. We hope he was wearing seventy. Yeah, he was wearing seventy something, or maybe he was just wearing seventy. But and I look at Vasilevsky and I see eighty eight. I was like. That looks weird, but, you know, it also looks cool. So, double mm-hmm. zero is kind of close to that. Yeah, I like it. So, last question. What advice do you have for young goalies? Um, don't don't take everything so seriously. Uh, everything's going to work out in the end. Uh, you got to keep working hard. And, you know, if you want if you want to get to a goal, you if you keep working hard, you'll, you'll reach it. But uh, don't take your failures too seriously because um, hockey is a game of failure. Yep. So you can't be perfect in that. And, you know, you just got to do whatever you can, learn from every situation, and make sure you're having fun. Because when you stop having fun, it becomes work. Yep. Yeah, life is about more than just hockey. So just remember, it's a game. Yeah, absolutely. It's a game. Yeah. Well, awesome, Nick. It's been fun chatting with you, getting to know you. I'm sure we'll keep in touch uh, going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully uh, you can have me and Bassett back on after next year and, Hopefully it's the exact same outcome for us. Yeah, that that's uh, for everybody who uh, is connected to the fire department. That's always the hope. But, uh, you know, if the fire department can't win it, at least the cops can. <laughs> I guess that's uh, not the worst thing, but yeah, yeah it, win it, hopefully. <laughs> it is, you know, as long as you guys raise a ton of money for the uh, foundations, that's all that matters, right? Yes, that is all that matters. Absolutely. You know. that is, that's what it started with. Hold on, yeah. I'm, on, I'm on the phone. Hold on, my gra- my grandmother just <laughs> give me one. I'm going in a second. I'm going in a second. I'll I'll, I'll I'm gonna come out in a minute and I'm gonna talk to you. Oh, okay. okay, thank you. I'm sorry, my gra- my she's <laughs> I saw her open the door. I was like, no. <laughs> she's uh, 87. Oh no worries. Hey, you always got to uh, be be kind to grandma when she when she's uh, trying to talk to you. You know, you, you got to cherish those moments. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, Nick, thank you. You go uh, talk to grandma and have a great rest of your evening. I will. Thank you. Uh, appreciate it. Stay in touch and uh, hopefully you can come back on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
I'm just going to, there we go. I'm going to end that so I don't have. It was fun talking to Nick. For anyone who hasn't watched the FDNY NYPD rivalry game, do yourself a favor and look up the documentary Rivalry City on YouTube. It's worth the watch. It was released in 2018, but tells the history of the game and shows the intensity of it as well. As has been mentioned in the last two episodes, it's not your average beer league game either. Like Nick said, it's like watching a really good hockey game. That's the skill level of these players. Be sure to follow Nick on Instagram at Nick underscore T-A-G-Z-0-0. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Washed Up Goalie. Visit washedupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Washed Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on the website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here, but shows like the Bob Matthews Podcasts, the Skates and Plates Podcast, and the Fourth Line Voice Podcast can all be found. If you're looking for something good to read, get yourself a subscription to the Vintage Tendy Magazine. Published quarterly, the magazine takes a deep dive into an 80s-slash-90s era goalie, and in the first five issues alone, they've covered Felix Potvin, Grant Fuhr, Tim Shovelday, Jocelyn Tebel, Ken Reggett, John Van Beesbrook, and episode 20 guest, mask painter Don Strauss. As I do every episode, I want to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream your music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. And let's not forget, if you're a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So, until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck.
good news? Well, Dave, 